0: Hello and welcome to Freelance Corner. I'm Jess and I'm joined by my colleague Christina from Ipsay. Hi, Tina. Hiya. Lots of listeners got in touch to ask us to cover homeschooling while freelancing. Now, neither Tina or I have any children, so we have enlisted the help of two freelance parents who can help with this. We're joined by James Miller, editor at WorkingDads.co.uk and Laura Livingstone, executive coach who helps parents and teachers build emotional resilience and confidence during times of change and challenge. So both very well equipped to help us today. Welcome both. Hello.
1: Hi, thanks for having me again.
0: Thanks for coming. We have an exciting podcast for you today as not only are we chatting
2: to two guests, but we will also be reading out some hilarious stories sent in from our listeners about working from home with children.
0: Some are so bad we aren't allowed to use their names and I can't wait to read them. (laughs) (laughs) So James, you joined the podcast before
2: to talk about the rights that freelance parents have. Um, It is great to have you back. For new listeners, could you tell us about workingdads.co.uk?
1: Yeah, I was thinking that last time. We were in some uh, dingy studio on some industrial estate somewhere, weren't <laughs> yes. we? And I would give my right arm to be hanging around an industrial estate these days instead of stuck at home. <laughs> you know, that, that rainy industrial estate seems very tempting these days. Um, yes, I'm an editor of Working Dads, which is uh, a site for, for men who want to work differently. So we sort of encourage them to work uh, part-time, flexibly, all that sort of stuff, take more paternity leave. Uh, And I'm also author of uh, a book called Dads Don't Babysit, which was all about uh, the same sort of stuff, essentially. Um, And I am a father of uh, of two children. I always sort of leave that to last when I'm saying what I do. But of course, at the moment, that's probably top of the list of of things on my CV is is doing that and being, uh, I suppose, I'm a homeschool teacher these days as well.
0: The CV is just ever growing. (laughs) And Laura, your job seems more relevant now than ever. Can you tell us a bit more about what you do?
3: It does seem very um, timely, doesn't it? And I think that what we need to acknowledge is that parents are always going through times of upheaval and challenge that is inherent in parenting, especially parenting, when you're trying to uh, juggle the rest of life. But right now, the load on parents is absolutely unprecedented, and I would say that it is the expectations being placed on it are just unrealistic. So yes I have a lot of work to do and a lot of very stressed clients at the moment I'll be honest.
2: Yeah it seems like even if there ever was a rule book on parenting that's just been thrown out the window at this point. Um, So today we're talking about homeschooling something most parents have had to contend with since the coronavirus pandemic. James can you tell us the situation you're in at the moment while working from home?
1: I've got uh, a 13-year-old who sits in her room and gets on with her work on her laptop, which you know, on one level is great because she just gets on with it. And I know lots of parents complain about trying to get their teenagers to do any work is really hard. But the other side of that, of course, is that I'm very concerned that she's sitting in her room on her laptop all day, which is uh, you know, not ideal for a 13-year-old girl. She should be hanging around. Uh, you know, She's desperate to get back to TK Maxx with her friends. And that's what 13-year-old girls should be doing. I think you know, for all parents, actually you know, it's hard. There's different uh, stresses and strains depending on how old your children are. Uh, And I've also got a a 10-year-old who uh, I now share my desk with, uh, you know, at the kitchen table, which on one level is great because I, I found in the second lockdown in November, it was really boring working from home on your own, sitting at the kitchen table, looking out at a bare garden. I couldn't go down to a cafe like I would usually do, which I usually found really helpful to get the brain working and then just seem to work quite well in that environment for part of the week so it's really nice to share my table you know my desk with uh you know the best coworker i would you know i could have except uh he has a habit of uh you know asking a lot of questions giving a running commentary on all he's trying to do and you know i've had to come to a, a setup where you know in the morning i'm essentially homeschooling and then my work starts at two o'clock in the afternoon when i sit him in front of countdown because uh, that's basically school, right? <laughs> um, you know, uh, this this morning I, I was busy trying to get things done and it just doesn't work. You just end up getting really ratty because <laughs> he not unreasonably is asking questions, you know, and then when he says, shall I shut up, daddy? I mean, you know, it's like an arrow through my heart and I had to sort of say... Yes, actually, because I'm trying to get stuff done and I don't want to tell him to shut up because, you know, he's a 10 year old. Um, So, you know, you have to draw these boundaries, I think, really. And, you know, and this is one of the benefits of of being freelance or working flexibly, of course, is that I can do that to some extent and say, okay, my day is going to start too. the downside is I don't know when my day is going to end. But (laughs) as I'm sure we'll discuss, uh, there's there's a huge element of uh, Swings and roundabouts and all Absolutely. of a Absolutely.
0: And I completely agree. I think Countdown is definitely educational. You know, they, those shows were brilliant growing up and you've got maths and words in there. So I think it's great. I think that's a really good little tip, actually.
1: The only downside is that, of course, I can hear the clock ticking from, from the other room, and I really want to come and play Countdown as well. I've really got a knuckle, I've got to have the, the focus to get my work done at that point.
0: Yeah, I know the, I know the strain of being distracted by Countdown. I, I have to contend with that every day. <laughs> and Laura, what's it been like for you working from
3: home at the moment? Well, it's, it's very similar to, uh, to James's situation. My children are a little bit younger. So, I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. The nine-year-old, to be fair, is very good at doing his work work self-directed. So, he's off in his room on his laptop. I say on his laptop, he's on my laptop because we've discovered that that's the only one which runs Microsoft Teams and that's uh, the platform that the school is using for his class. But then the school is choosing to use a different platform for the younger child. And that only runs on the iPad. So we're juggling all these devices throughout the day. My uh, littlest can't really do anything self-directed, obviously. He's too young to work the tech. And he's certainly too young to focus on it without help. So he really needs another adult with him in order to do it. So it does mean we're doing slightly ridiculous juggling acts of this morning. I was trying to finish off my tax return which I know I should have done earlier but I didn't quite get it done in time and uh now I'm doing a tax return whilst trying to build a lego tower <laughs> so I do hope that HMRC will be understanding if I get the numbers wrong because I've been counting bricks instead of my profit and loss but I think this is what is happening for most parents at the moment it's that it's not that We don't want to help our kids. It's perhaps not even that we don't enjoy doing it. I do enjoy it, but it's just having the headspace to be able to do everything well is very difficult at the moment. I would argue pretty much impossible, actually. And we're just making lots and lots of compromises. I'm having to be okay with that through gritted teeth. And I think a lot of other parents are either having to do that or what I see a lot with my clients is that they're starting to question their own abilities. So they're saying, I can't do everything. I'm failing. Actually, we're being asked to do the impossible. So you're not failing at all. It's just not physically possible to do all of these things all at the hi.
0: Tina, I know I was saying to you recently that I think the people who have it the hardest at the moment are parents who are being expected to homeschool and work alongside it. I just think that it is an impossible task. And Laura I think you're absolutely right that it's a juggling act and you're making compromises left right and centre which must be very difficult and I do have a lot of respect for it but you really made me laugh there when you said that you were trying to do your tax return and build a lego tower because James you've been working in this space for a while now about working dads and managing kind of parenting alongside working flexibly and does that not just sum up freelancing as a parent for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I know we're on audio, but you can see all the Lego on the shelves behind me, right? Uh, (laughs) Lego's a godsend, you know, that is a thing that kids can play with on their own. It's it's quite handy. But yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, we're, we're missing that bit in the day. Now, yeah, I've always had that issue. And I think a lot of parents have that, you know, when I went freelance, I could pick up the kids at half past three, and that's great. And in recent years, I've increasingly realized that, you know, you have to sort of, Uh, or at least dial down your expectations of how much you're going to get done between half past three and tea time because the kids are around and they they do ask for attention. But of course, in the old days, you had, you know, half past nine or whatever after you dropped the kids off um, through to half past three to actually get some work done. Uh, And that's gone. And that makes it a lot more difficult. So yeah, that juggling act is very familiar to me. Well, I say it's very familiar, but of course, this is on a different scale. I think that's the thing. You know, even if we were... Successfully juggling things before, you know, working parents have been. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm going to work up an analogy live. I'm just trying to think. You know, we were juggling bowls and now we've had you know the fire thrown in, and the axe and the chainsaw have all been thrown into that juggle. <laughs> um, and you know, you're going to drop something. And you know, to be fair, you have to be kind to yourself when you do drop something. I did an event this week that I had to do a presentation for. You know, I finished it very late the night before. I would love to have, I have some quite funny slides for the presentations that I do, but I didn't have time to put the slides into the presentation. So what at the end of the day? Okay. I think my audience could, you know, they had to look at my face for 20 minutes instead of look at slides, but you know, you have to be kind to yourself, to yourself and say, so be it. I think the danger, I'm really going with this analogy, the juggling analogy, but the danger is that when you do drop something, it's which bit do you drop? Uh, and obviously if it's a chainsaw, you might end up getting hurt. Um, I'm not quite sure where the analogy goes from there, but there's something there about juggling and being careful about what you drop, uh, but being kind to yourself when you drop something.
2: I think that's absolutely a good point. And I'm following the analogy here. So I I think (laughs) I think it's worked well. And I think especially what you've been saying about how parents are having to deal with this is is just completely unexpected and There's no way that you can handle everything. But also, Laura, how do you think the children are coping at the moment? And do you have any tips for
3: parents who are negotiating that at the moment? I think that's a really important question, actually, because I think that children are eminently adaptable and actually they live in the bath of our emotions. So if we are okay, they are okay. That's easier said than done, though, isn't it? because right now we are not okay. I don't think any of us could say, yeah, this is great. I'm loving it. It's really hard message to get out there to parents, but it does, I think, help to prioritize, uh, helps a parent to prioritize to say, your child listens to your emotions more than they listen to what you say and to a certain extent what you do. So you say you're fine, your child Does not listen to those words, your child divines the emotion behind it. That's because when they're born, their uh, limbic brain, their subconscious brain is pretty much the only thing that's on stream. And that brain can only interpret emotions, it doesn't understand language. So all those higher brain thinking uh, activities come on stream throughout the first 20 years of their life. Yes, I said 20, um, because your brain isn't fully developed until you're 20 years old. So a smaller child, such as my six-year-old, will still be very sort of hit and miss with his upper brain function, and he'll be divining what I'm thinking and feeling much more than what I'm saying. So that's really hard if you're having a really hard time, but it does mean that actually it makes more sense to say, you know what, my weekly yoga class on Zoom, of course, is more important than ticking another... Job off the uh, homeschool list. It is okay to put them in front of Countdown if that means I'm better in myself. It is okay to um, uh, let them go and play on on the Wii U as mine are next door instead of carrying on with their homeschooling, so that we can have a calmer and happier weekend and we can all be relaxed. It, we can't obviously always make choices at the expense of our own children's well-being but in my experience most of the time you know engaged parents are erring on the side of sacrificing themselves on the altar of parenting and when you're self-employed you've got another altar on which you sacrifice yourself as well so it's just being aware of the fact that that self-sacrifice serves no one not even the children that you think you're you're doing it for
0: that's a a brilliant answer and so insightful, James. I just wondered if you your reaction to that because I can see that you're nodding along. Nodding
1: furiously, yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I agree with everything. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to do the mansplaining bit where I somehow uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I say validates what the woman has said. But I mean, I just agree with everything. I mean, the bath of your emotions. I think that's absolutely true. Is that the kids will pick up on how you are feeling. Yeah, it's the old analogy about you know put on your face mask before you put on the kids' oxygen mask on the aeroplane. You know. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, that point about sacrificing uh, when you're self-employed, I think, is is the one that I think I would, I would pick up on because what I have found in this uh, experience is that, and this is slightly ironic that I'm on the Freelance Corner podcast talking about it. The freelance stuff is what has had to go to a large extent. You know, I'm lucky that I'm employed at Working Dads, albeit only for a certain amount of hours a week. So I do sort of two days a week, all right, spread across the week for Working Dads and the rest of the time I'm freelance the freelance stuff has been dialed down i've lost a couple of contracts but i can't get any more you know a lot of my work involves getting out meeting people shaking hands saying why don't you do this i could do this for you and that's gone and it's really hard to find the freelance work and particularly as i say my mornings are gone you know i can't do anything there and you know sending out an email in the evening is all very well but you're not going to get the same pickup as if you are actually talking to somebody face-to-face when you're looking for freelance work. And certainly that's been been my experience in my line of work. So I do think for freelance parents, I think it is, you know, as I say, there are, there are swings and roundabouts. There are positives and negatives that we can obviously change our, our hours as we see fit to a large extent, because we haven't got bosses. And I've heard some terrible stories about bosses uh, and how they treat parents during this pandemic. But trying to find work as obviously, which is, you know, the bottom line when you're a freelance is a lot harder than this pandemic and even harder when you're having to homeschool as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you it's just good to have your insight as someone who's been talking about this for a number of years um because these issues aren't for either of you aren't new to you but yeah it's just interesting to get your perspective on that before we move on to the hilarious stories of freelancers working from home with children I wondered if either of you or both of you have a top tip for um freelance parents at the moment so Laura I'd like to start with you do you have a top tip for parents trying to, to juggle all these balls and chainsaws and axe
3: and fire at the moment? <laughs> well, actually, um, I, I, again, I, I don't want to woman explain the ama- analogy, <laughs> <laughs> but um, there is a concept in mindfulness of um, there being balls in your life. Some are made of glass and some are made of rubber and they bounce. So when you're juggling the various different balls in your life, you might find that work is a, a rubber ball. You drop it, it always bounces back. It always comes to find us in the end, doesn't it? Work, unfortunately. But there are other balls in your life which are made of glass. When you drop them, they shatter and they don't bounce back. There are balls that are kind of, uh, you know, in between, you're perhaps made of wood or something that scuffs. And if you drop them, they're damaged, but they're not irreparably damaged. So the theory always is that work is a rubber ball. So perhaps just realizing and being aware of that would be my sort of most basic tip for parents saying yeah I know it's really I've lost work as well myself um, and I've had to pivot my business and I can't pick up new contracts because I've had to scale my work back in order to homeschool the children but I'm trusting hard though it is that the rubber ball bounces back the glass ball which is the family life the kids I'm making sure that I don't drop that one because that one's far too precious to drop there are other things that are getting scuffed and I can just be sad about that and acknowledge that that's happening so that might be my relationship with my friends or my wider family because I'm not seeing them it might be the fact that my house is an absolute tip behind me behind that closed door but you know I can put that back together. So it's just being really, really honest about what you can control and what you can't control and what you can afford to drop and leave and what you can't afford to drop and leave. My top tip, work out what your rubber ball is and what your glass ball is and then prioritise your juggling acts that way.
0: I'm very much enjoying the continued analogy of the juggling act because I think so often we say that, you know, parenting and working is a juggling act and the fact that we have so, we've adapted that analogy so much today is brilliant. And James, what's your top tip for freelance parents?
1: Yeah, I'm going to work on it. How far can we take this analogy? What's the, you know, the guy that does the juggling on the unicycle <laughs> in the Covent Garden or at the Refring or whatever. What's the unicycle? I'm going to have to work on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I would uh, pick up on something very similar. I also do a podcast called Lockdown Dads, which we did as sort of just a, a project, something to do in the first lockdown with uh, Ian Dinwiddie, who's a coach for, for Dads. And we do a tip every week so we've got a lot of tips now and they, they vary in quality let's face it but the one that we come back to time and again or i come back to is good enough is good enough i did some mentoring for for dads you know a year or two ago now um and i always say not because i'm claimed to be any sort of particularly role model as a dad but i was asked to get involved and if i can help i was very keen to, to help and it was fascinating that this guy just had a baby uh, his friends were all taking the mickey out of him because he now had an estate car uh, rather than you know uh, the gti Um, And I said to him, you you know, just remember that good enough is good enough. You don't have to be the best dad in the world. And this was a light bulb moment for him. Uh, And I find uh, it's a light bulb moment for a lot of people, which, (laughs) you know, again, I don't want to sound like I'm some sort of sage of wisdom, but, uh, you know, just good enough is good enough. You don't have to be the best teacher. You don't have to be the best parent. Uh, And your kids will adapt. You know, kids are very adaptable. These are difficult times. uh, And you do have to keep an eye out for them. But don't beat yourself up good enough is good enough and uh my other tip which we've we've had on the lockdown dad's podcast which i would just throw in here is soul on disney plus uh the movie the cartoon it's not the best movie in the world like some people told me but i think it might be the best lockdown movie out there so put the kids in front of soul because the message is just perfect for the times we're in i don't want to give too much away but um, I think it's, if you, you know, if you've got an afternoon and you've got nothing else to do with the kids, put them in front of that because, uh, um, you know, not only will it entertain them, but they might take away the, a, a very helpful message for lockdown.
2: I haven't watched that yet, actually, but that might be on my weekend list now. But yeah, great advice from both of you. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll be answering more questions from listeners in a moment. But first, we have the story sent in from freelance parents. The first one comes from Ao Abbas, who says, "Last week, my five-year-old woke up at nine 30 came wandering into the front room with his hands down his pajama bottoms, scratching his bits when I was on a
0: one-to-one Zoom call.
2: (laughs) Nice.
3: (laughs) Great.
0: (laughs) I love these. Um, We have one that was sent in via DM. Um, It's mortifying. One poor mum was having a wee, a rare two minutes of privacy, she writes, when her six-year-old walked in with her laptop on a Zoom class with her camera on to get her mum to say hi to her teacher. The worst part? Because this mum was in a jumpsuit at the time, she had to pull the whole thing down to have a wee. So her child's teacher saw her in what she describes as a grey Eminesce bra from 2008.
3: <laughs> I would not want to
0: be her at the next parents' evening. No, definitely not. That is
2: mortifying on so many levels. Um, <laughs> the next one is from Russell O'Sullivan. He says, on a call to a prospective client when our dog came into the room and on the chair behind me started to hump a pillow. (laughs) (laughs) I love (laughs) things. I didn't realize until the client pointed it out. So embarrassed. But the client signed. So not all bad, I suppose. We have since had said dog (laughs) (laughs) noodles.
0: It doesn't just have to be children. Um, So next one is from Angarad Salazar-Luelin, who you may remember was a guest on the pod to talk about networking before. Um, She also sent one in. She said, I was on a video call with the Huffington Post when my five-year-old son, dressed up as a Christmas elf, started tap dancing his way around the sofa behind me for the entire call, dot, dot, dot. It was September. (laughs) (laughs) That last bit is what gets it for me. I remember reading that
2: on Twitter and just absolutely dying. Uh, Another one we had sent into the DMs says, I had a very important 30-minute Zoom call with a client, so I wrapped my five-year-old up on the sofa in his favorite pajamas and put on his favorite film. He had just been for a wee and he had a bowl of grapes and squash in a bottle. I thought, he can't possibly need anything. Five minutes into the call, instructs my five-year-old behind me, completely naked, telling me
0: I gave him the wrong squash. My favourite bit about that: why was he naked? Like, <laughs> what possessed him to just take all his clothes off and just walk in? <laughs> to I just think that's brilliant. <laughs> the last one, and I could read these forever, but the last one is from Heidi Scrimger, who is freelancing with a teenager at home. She says. I burst into my teenager's room to shout at him for not responding when called down repeatedly, expecting him to, expecting to find him on Fortnite again. Poor kid whispered, I'm on a call. (laughs) 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 So before we move on to the question sent in from freelancers, I wondered if you two have any stories because you were both laughing hysterically during those, but Obviously, everyone is in the same boat, I guess, or we're in the same storm in different boats, as people are saying at the moment. So do you have any stories of working from home and trying to juggle that with homeschooling?
1: I'm trying to think. That's why I mean, you know, there's a there's a low level hum, isn't there now of expectation that a child is going to walk into the screen or whatever I don't know. I, th- I think it's been not bad. I mean, yeah, I was sort of smiling at the, the parent who, who burst in on their child because absolutely, as I, as I said earlier, my daughter's 13. Uh, and when she's on her laptop, she's also always got her friends on Facebook while she's working. And of course, every time I come in, I'm in embarrassment, let's face it. Um, <laughs> just for you know, existing existing, if you're a 13 year old girl, uh, um, uh, I could relate to the story of the mum with the jumpsuit because yeah, jumpsuits are uh seem a terrible idea for parents in general because there's so much getting on and getting off one of the, the tips you know I don't know if we want to go there but one of the tips on on lockdown dads was around men and the sort of pants they choose to wear um <laughs> because now I mean this is news to you three but there's been uh interesting developments in the design of pants recently um around I don't do we want to get into the technical details of the pant tip do you want you James.
0: want you can't start that without finishing it. I'm wondering what's happened to the pants recently that I've missed. Oh,
1: I don't know if I want to go there. Basically, a lot of pants are, are sealed up at the front now uh, instead of having uh, a hole for easy access, uh, as it were. And if you are a parent, that just means it takes longer to go to the toilet. I mean, I absolutely <laughs> relate to the, the woman who says, I'm, I'm on I'm just going to the toilet for two minutes, the peace. I mean, that is the, the, the only place you can go for peace. And when your children get to... A, beyond toddler age, and you can once again actually go to the toilet in peace because you can't until they're about three. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, a strange, <laughs> strange, I don't know how, how to phrase it, but it's a sort of joy to be able to go to the toilet <laughs> in peace. Um, but the problems come, of course, if you're wearing a jumpsuit or your, your pants are not easy access, um, if the phone does go, or indeed you hear the, the squash getting spilt on the sofa or, or whatever might be happening in the background, uh, it just takes longer to to attend to that. But, you know, I wasn't really expecting to go there on this podcast, to be honest. Uh,
2: (laughs) I think it's great to have that insight into not only pants engineering, but yeah, going to the toilet in peace. I I had no idea. (laughs) So uh, we now have some questions sent in from freelancers for us to ask you both. These are all anonymous this week. Firstly, one asks... I have one seven-year-old and one 13-year-old. They are learning completely different things and I'm struggling to help them both at the same time. Any advice? Uh, Should we start with Laura, your thoughts on that one?
3: Yes, I might end up sounding a bit like a broken record here, but the advice is that you can't help them both at the same time. You haven't got, you know, you haven't got two heads, you've only got two hands, presumably you haven't got multiple laptops either so you have to perfect the art of compromise a lot of the activities that my kids have been doing the younger one has been doing activities that the older one wants to get in on the act and and show him how to do and that has helped to an extent but I think just being really realistic about the amount of time that you have available and fitting the tasks to the time you have available instead of trying to fit the time to the tasks that you're being asked to do uh we're very much like kind of going the wrong way around the houses on this one we're going right okay here's the list of what i have to do right where do i find the time you've only got 24 hours in the day we haven't been given extra ones uh just to help us with homeschooling so we've just got to be realistic i think
0: So James, you were mentioning about how both your children are at different stages. and are doing different things. I just wondered if you had anything to add to that question about how to teach both of them at the same time.
1: I think the overarching, uh, it's an overarching theme of lockdown, to be honest, is um, communication. The only thing I would add to that is that I talk a lot about communication between employers and employees and between contractors and and freelancers. I think you have to communicate with your children as well. You have to explain to them what how available you are what is expected of them you know not in a (laughs) not in the same way you'd have a discussion with a with a contractor or whatever um but you need to to communicate with your children and say look i can't what i can do and what i can't do and if they understand that certainly makes life a lot easier i think
0: great thank you and the next question um says am i the only parent who doesn't have a clue about fractions laura (laughs) do you understand fractions
3: no I don't. I'm dyscalculic. So I have been attempting to teach my son maths in Welsh because he learns through the medium of Welsh and I didn't ever learn it myself at school. So to say that I'm not confident in the standard of my teaching is something of an understatement. And I think we've all got to accept that, you know, we all have different things that we're good at and i'm very much not good at math so my heart goes out to uh that parent you're not the only one and um all i can say is that google is a wonderful thing and there's some really interesting youtube videos on dividing fractions who knew even i learned something actually <laughs>
0: laura you know what since lockdown started i've been trying to learn welsh um because my my boyfriend is first language welsh um and so far i'm up to to number five um so it's Ean die tree pedwa pim. Does that mean well done? Yes. dear
3: <laughs> Very good.
0: My Welsh is, is coming on um slowly. Um although I did just have to say um and my double L pronunciation is getting slowly better. But yeah, that's an extra challenge to have to teach maths in a different language I mean that's just honestly if that's that's the fireball isn't it that's the axe that's on fire James or well, that's the unicycle actually let's extend the metaphor that's the unicycle. To be
3: fair it's all Greek to me anyway <laughs> so it doesn't really matter if it's in Welsh or if it's in English <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs>
0: fair enough uh, James um, have you found any particularly challenging homeschooling subject? yeah it's not so much uh,
1: the, the fractions or whatever it's the way they teach it differently now is you know it's completely different to you, you know i mean i don't know we don't want to get political but i suggest it's due to michael and his weird uh, obsession with fronted adverbials and all this sort of weird stuff <laughs> that we just never did at school i mean you know i'm a child of the sort of 70s and 80s and we didn't really do much grammar at all to be honest um so that that's one of the problems is that actually i do understand but i can't necessarily teach it because i teach in a different way and i don't want to then mess up the way the teacher teaches it and, and get involved and confuse my, my children with that. Um, but one of the things I have noticed is that they seem to do much more interesting stuff at school these days. Um, they watch little videos on YouTube and uh, my daughter was doing stuff about women in Afghanistan and I, this morning she was doing stuff around uh, Zaha Hadid, the architect in, in art. And I was like, well, we didn't do that. We used to draw bananas and stuff. It looks fantastic. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there is a, there's certainly a, a, a gap between Uh, it's not so much knowing it, it's, it's how you teach it. And I think that is, that's the frustration actually. But again, you know, kids will adapt the longer it goes on. I mean, I, you know, I am concerned about how they'll catch up and all this sort of stuff, but they will catch up. And, you know, there's talk of summer schools and, and all that sort of thing. And I think we all know at the end of the day, we've all been to school and it's really important kids that you learn your fractions and stuff, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, Not everything you learn in school is actually useful when you get into the real world. Uh, And so again, it's that sort of, you know, give yourself a break. If they don't know how to do logarithms, as long as they're not planning to, you know, make graphs of, uh, you know, spaceships or whatever, then uh, they'll be all right. Um, So again, it's just give yourself a break, I think is the answer on that one.
2: I think that's a perfect answer, really. I have a massive respect for parents right now trying to learn all these subjects. I think as a child, you look up to your parent as kind of this all-knowing person and to try and actually be that person for your child must just be a massive challenge but finally we have one last question for you uh so it's how can I communicate with my children that my work is equally important to their dads because he has an employed job with a boss my children don't think my freelance work is as important I'm struggling because it means they interrupt me and not their dad Laura we'll go back to you first again
0: it's
3: a very tough question that yeah It is, and I think there's so many layers to it. The first one is that we have to acknowledge that in a lot of households, and ours is is in this position, my husband is the main wage earner. So, I do, to an extent, have to accept that we have to prioritise his work, because if we don't, we would be out on our ear on the street. So, we need that money coming in, and there's no two ways about that. I have the flexibility to extend and reduce my working hours, but that obviously means I extend and reduce my working capacity. There was a point in lockdown mark one, uh, whichever lockdown we're on now, I've lost track, where my business pivoted, which sounds terribly graceful, but it wasn't. And my youngest went around telling everyone that mummy doesn't have a job anymore. So I think very much. There's a big dose of we've got to accept that this is an uncomfortable reality and maybe, you know, stand up and say this is what's happening and can we acknowledge this as a society that this is what's happening not exclusively to women but often to women. But also there is a part of it going back to what I said about your children living in the bath of your emotions. If you feel like your job isn't as important, if you communicate that in the way that you behave at home you know just as somehow i'd communicated to my youngest that i didn't have a job anymore because i was feeling pretty rubbish about the fact i'd you know lost all my contracts and had to start all over again he just picked that up and interpreted that in the simplest way possible so it it sometimes is a bit of a wake-up call to say actually am I prioritising my work or am I not prioritising my work of my husband's or my partner's? And what am I communicating to my children? Not just in the words that I say, but how I feel. So I'm not saying to that particular parent, you know, you don't think your job's important enough, but it's just a case of setting those priorities and communicating them clearly. And I think, you know, James put that really, Well, earlier when he said, you know, saying to your children, this is what we all have to do as a family. These are the expectations. This is what we all have to achieve. And in my experience, they are really responsive to that sort of thing and they enjoy the responsibility. So I would sit them down and say, I need to do this at this time. I need to do that at that time. At this time, I'm available for you. And at this time, daddy's available for you. Um, And just be really clear about it.
0: I wanted to chime in on this one, because when I was growing up, my mum was self-employed and would work from home, whereas my dad was a police officer who would work, you know, night shifts and day shifts. We had police dogs. So I was very aware of what he did. And I was very kind of proud. My dad was a dog handler in the police, whereas my mum, I didn't understand what she did because she's a consultant Um, And she helps, she runs training courses. And basically it just wasn't as fun to say my mum's a consultant as it was to say, my dad's a dog handler in the police, you know, we have police dogs. I kind of really understand that. And I think probably as a child, I probably did think that my dad's work was more important, but actually my mum has been running her freelance business for 23 years now um, and is established and is respected. And and the older I've got, I've, the more I respect the work that she's done, because she raised twins while starting her business and has um we're now twenty three which is the same age as her business, and she's done that you know as a as a one person business, and that has been so inspirational to me um you know, I now work for the association for self employed people because i'm I find that so impressive, but yeah, I thought I should chime in on that just because I think I was definitely that child when I was younger. Because it is it is hard to understand as a child. Like, what do you mean you don't have a boss? Like, because all you watch, you know, um, Daddy Pig or whatever, he goes to work and he has a a boss at work. And how do you explain? No, I am my own boss. Like, does well the child isn't their own boss? They have to be. They get told what to do. You know, how is there no one that <laughs> tells you what to do? I think it is confusing. So. Um, yeah, I hope that that changes uh, for you, listener, and I hope
3: it will in the future. Can I just jump in there and say, I think it's really important not to genderize it too much as well, because just to pick up on what you just said, I was in a position growing up where my mum had an employed job. She was a journalist. My dad was a marketing consultant, self-employed, and I used to tell people that my dad drove around in a car with uh, bits of plastic in the boot because he used. To, <laughs> <What>? I know <laughs> because he used to go and do um, back in the day when marketing was always to a person. He used to do installations of marketing material. That's all I understood because that's all I see. So it might be that it's showing your child more of what you do explains better why your work is important and uh, you know we were talking about maybe doing st- not focusing on fractions and teaching the mother life skills how about starting to teach your child business planning you know how to how to create a a lean canvas or a business plan or how to look at a profit and loss statement i mean i think that would be a worthwhile um homeschooling activity certainly and james i just wondered what your thoughts on, on this
1: well <laughs> you see the sort of the rage building inside me on this one um yeah i mean absolutely. i, I I think the question has to be where are your children getting this idea from? It's not surprising. The government has sent out a message that self employed people are not as important as employed people because they did the furlough scheme and then a couple of weeks later went, oh, there's all these self employed people, well, we better have a scheme. So, you know, it's not surprising if the government and society somehow regards freelancing and self employed people as not having proper jobs, that that is going to permeate, you know, society as a whole. That will permeate into your house. I think the discussion, Needs to happen between mummy and daddy on this one because, as I say, where are the kids getting this message from? Now, I, I, I actually take Laura's point about one job maybe more important than the other in terms of uh, money coming to the house. As it happens in our house, it's my partner who is who works full time and I'm I'm the freelancer. But I have heard too many horrific stories about men locking themselves in the spare room because their job is important and the woman has to sit at the kitchen table, feed the kids, teach the kids try and do their job and everything else. Uh, And I'm afraid a lot of it comes down to economics, but there is a huge part of uh, just society's attitudes to to gender in it. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, men are big and important. Look at the government press conferences every day. They're presented by men. They feature lots of men because men are big and important and do stuff and women. uh, you know, The government put out an advert yesterday saying, stay home, stay safe. And it featured women doing the housework and a man sitting on the sofa you know these messages are out there all around i don't know if we talked about daddy pig last time i was on this podcast and you know it's a trigger word for me because i do not like daddy pig um he is an absolutely terrible role model you know this stuff is all around uh, and it is not it's not on this woman who is uh, this mommy who has written in to sort this it is on her it's on her partner it's on society Uh, look i can go on about this stuff for ages uh you can see it 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 absolutely uh gender stereotypes are are, uh, you know my specialist subject but i do think you know again it comes down to communication you need to be talking to your partner and saying why other kids feeling like this uh, and can you do more the answer might be no but the conversation needs to happen
0: I absolutely agree and yes daddy pig was something that we mentioned last time so I remember you saying that it was just a bad example of what a dad is and I completely agree and I I do feel you know I should say I feel a bit embarrassed about how I kind of viewed my parents jobs when I was younger but I also remember you know as a, a youngster having books that had this is what a doctor looks like and it was a man and the nurse was a woman and there are so many examples of that and I think it's a a whole separate podcast uh, that I know Tina and I could talk about for hours about these gender roles and casual sexist things like that a government advert you mentioned which was just horrific and so far beyond what we would even think is possible to get published nowadays it was just pathetic but yeah we'll talk about that in another podcast maybe Remember, listeners, that if you have a question about freelancing that you want us to put to an expert, then drop us an email at content at freelancecorner.co.uk. And
2: that's it for this episode. You'll be able to
0: find lots of information on the show
2: notes below and on the Freelance Corner website. Thanks for listening. Join Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk for regular guides, tools and content on growing your freelance business.
0: Please subscribe to our podcast, like, share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time. We hope our listeners are staying safe at home and thank you so much for joining us, James and Laura. It's been a
3: great discussion. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks
0: for asking me again.